0: After my uncle left, Jairaj pushed away my photo onto the floor and took in its place on the desk a grouped photo of the trustees. He kept gazing on it and said, not a very good photo. That pictograph man again, so proud of his electronic flash. He claims he commands sunlight at his fingertips. But when he throws it onto the faces of a group before the camera, what do they do? They shut their eyes or open them wide as if they saw a ghost. For all the garland on his chest and all his pomposity, the man at the center and all others in the group looked to me like monkeys surprised on a mango tree. The bald head kept swaying in approval. Jairaj constantly looked up from his work to make sure that the fellow was listening. I sat between them. Jairaj abruptly ordered, Child, move over. Let that man come nearer. I obeyed instantly. This was my first day out, exciting and frightening at the same time. The world looked entirely different. The crowd at the market, which had seemed so entertaining before, was now terrifying. I feared that I might be engulfed and swept off and never see my home again. As twilight came on and the street lamps were lit, I grew apprehensive. Somehow, I felt I could not trust Jairaj. I stole a look at him. He looked forbidding. He wore a pair of glasses with thick lenses through which his eyeballs bulged, lending him a ghoulish look. He had an unshaven chin and grey mottled hair covering his forehead khaki shirt and a blood red dhoti, a frightening combination. All those smiles and friendly talk before my uncle was a show to entice me. He seemed to have his own sinister plans to deal with me once I was left at his mercy. He had become cold and aloof. Otherwise, why should he have asked me to yield my place to the bald man? The moment my uncle's back was turned, this man's manner had changed. He looked grim and ignored me. Where was the nourishment he had promised? I was afraid to ask. I kept looking at the restaurant across the road in the hope that he might follow my gaze and take the hint. But his hands were sawing, hammering, pasting and smoothing while his tongue wagged interruptedly. Having promised me nourishment, this man was not giving it a thought. Suppose I reminded him, but I lacked the courage to speak to him. With unappeased hunger on one side, my mind was also busy as to how to retrieve my photo from this horrible man and find my way home. I had not noticed the landmarks while coming. There were so many lanes ending on Market Road, I was not sure which one of them would lead me to Kabi Street. And from Kabi Street, should I go up or down? A well stood right in the middle of that street and beside it the striped wall of an abandoned temple in which the tailor was supposed to live. One went past it and came through onto Vinayak Street somehow. Vinayak Street seemed such a distant dream to me now. If some gracious God could put me down there, at either end I could always find my way home, I was beginning to feel lost. Jairaj paused for a moment to look at me and say, When I promise a time for delivery, I keep it. Analyzing his statement, I found no hint of anything to eat. When I promise a time, etc., what of the promise of food? What did delivery mean? Did it include eating? It was a worrying situation for me. I could not understand whether he implied that after delivering his to the bald man he would summon the restaurant keeper and order a feast or did he simply mean that in due course he would nail my photo on four sides with wood and glass and then say that is all now get out when I tried to declare I am very hungry are you doing anything about it a promise is sacred and inescapable I found my voice croaking, creaking, and the words in such a jumble and mumble that it only attracted the other's attention and conveyed nothing. He looked up and asked, Did you speak? He looked fierce under the kerosene power light hanging from the ceiling, and the huge shadow of its thin reflector left half the shop in darkness. I had no doubt that he enticed people in there, muttered them in cold blood, and stowed their bodies in. The ante room. I remembered his mysterious references to the room, and my uncle had understood. The wonder was that uncle should listen to all that and yet leave me behind. Of course, if it came to it, I could hit him with the little rod on the walk bench and run away. This was a testing time, and uncle perhaps wanted to try me out. Hadn't they agreed that little boys should become tough? If he asked me in, I should take care not to cross the threshold, but if he ordered food but kept it as a bait far inside and then said, come in here and eat, perhaps then I should make a dash for the food, hit him with the steel rod and run, tactics to be accomplished at lightning speed. Perhaps my uncle expected me to perform such deeds and would admire my pluck, hit Jairaj on the head and run and munch while running while my mind was busy working out the details of my retreat i noticed that the man had risen to his feet and was rummaging among old paper and cardboard stacked in the back room when he stood up he looked lanky and tall with long legs and long limbs as if he had uncoiled himself rather snake like i thought for a moment i was seized with panic at the prospect of combating him the bald man had edged closer and closer and had now actually stepped into the workshop, anticipating some excitement, the light from the power lamp imparting a blinding luster to his bald pate Jayraj cried from the back room, impossible to get at what one wants in this cursed place. Must set apart a day for cleaning up. Ah, here it is. And he brought out a portrait in a grey mound took it close to the light and said, come nearer, the print is rather faded. They examined it with their heads abutting each other. I looked away. I realized that while they were brewing their nefarious plan, I should remain alert but without giving them any sign of noticing. This is the man at one time, the richest doctor in Burma. I caught these words. Occasionally, from time to time, I turned my head just to look at them and caught them glancing at me and turning away. I too looked away, sharpening my ears, not to miss a single word. Somehow I was beginning to feel that their talk had something to do with me. Jairad's loud and guffawing tone was all gone. He was now talking in a sinister undertone. Ten dollars employed under him. But this fellow was only a chokra. He sterilized needles and wrapped up powders and medicine bottles and cleansed the syringe. Actually, he must have started as this man's tapping the photo, personal boot boy. When the Japanese bombed Rangoon, these people trekked back to our country, leaving behind their palatial home and several cars and everything. But still they managed to carry with them jewellery and much gold, and a bank account in Madras, and above all also a 15-day-old baby in arms. The doctor took ill and died on the way. There were rumors that he was pushed off a cliff by so-and-so. The lady reached India half dead, lingered for a year and died. The baby was all right. So was the chokra, all through the expedition. The chokra, becoming all in all, took charge of all the cash and gold and bank accounts after reaching this country, impersonating the doctor. The poor woman, the doctor's wife, need not have died, but this fellow kept her a prisoner in the house and gave her some injections and finished her. The cremation was a double-quick affair across the river. The bald man now moved back to my side. Jairaj had resumed his seat and was working on a frame. I still kept looking away fixedly. Feeling desperate at the prospect before me, a total darkness had now fallen on the city and there was the hopelessness of getting any refreshment. They continued their talk in conspiratorial tones all through. The bald man asked some questions. Jairaj replied, Who could say? I don't know much about them. I think that the fat woman must also have been there all the time and a party to it. I learnt a lot from a servant maid who brought this picture for framing one day. I told her to call for it next day. She never came. So far, no sign of anyone claiming it. The same fellow who sat here a little while ago said the bald man in astonishment. Jairaj lowered his voice and muttered, When I called him doctor, you must have seen his face and then... They carried on their talk for a long while, which was all inaudible to me. I kept glancing at them and feeling their eyes on me all the time. Finally, the tap-tap of the hammer ceased, and he said, All right, this is finished. Let the glue dry a bit. Anyway, it must be said to his credit. He tended the child and brought him up. Only God knows the full truth. He suddenly called me, held out to me the photograph salvaged from the dark chamber and asked, Do you wish to take this home? I can give it to you free. And they both stared at my face and the photo while he held it out. I had a momentary curiosity to look at the face of the man who had been the subject of their talk. The photo was very faded. I could glimpse only a mustache and little else the man was in European clothes. If what they said was true, this was my father. I looked at their faces and noticed the sneering, leering expressions on them. I flung the photo back, got up without a word, and began to run. Thank you. Uh, Wait for the last episode of The Framing Shop on Market Road.